This is the School Success Podcast, a podcast for school leaders to learn from other school leaders what's working and what's not, and to get inspiration and encouragement, as well as strategies to grow school enrollment, connect with families, retain teachers, recruit teachers, and everything in between. You guys are heroes, and I cannot thank you enough for pouring into this next generation that's coming behind us. My goal is you will take at least one thing away from every episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Please enjoy the School Success Podcast. Hey, School Success Makers, welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater. I'm joined by a new friend out of the great city of St. Louis, Missouri. They're on the west side, a little outside of that on the west side. And it is Katie McKinney, who is the founder and president of Lafayette Academy. And they are doing some really cool stuff in the area. And as I have talked with them and met with them, it's like, okay, I got to have Katie on. She is a, just a delight. Her voice, as you're going to hear in a second, you're like, oh my goodness, she just sounds like the best person. I'll be a great teacher and a great person to pour in and love students. And that is exactly what she's doing and why she wanted to start this school. So we're going to hear all about her story here in just a little bit, but I don't want to take any thunder away from her. So I'm actually going to pass it off to her to introduce herself real quick, and then we'll dive in. So Katie, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Mitchell. It was very thoughtful. <clears throat> yes, I am the founder of Lafayette Academy. We are in our eighth, no, seventh year, my eighth, but the school's seventh. <laughs> And yeah, I, I started this as an outgrowth of my dissatisfaction with what was happening in the public and private educational sector. I have been in the ed world since, <clears throat> I guess, the late 90s when I taught in California and San Diego in the public school district. Had a wonderful experience there and then also taught in New Mexico. That was a very different experience. And then I homeschooled my own children. I've worked in private education. And the only place I could really find <clears throat> the avenue that I was looking for was in homeschooling. And as it was unfolding, that's frankly how I fell into classical education. I didn't even know it existed. And I read a few books. I read Edie Hirsch's Cultural Literacy. I read Oliver DeMille's TJ Ed, Thomas Jefferson Education. Those really started to to bubble up inside of me as to what I was looking for. And it was this classical approach, getting back to the basics of education, what, what works and what really has rooted our country in the principles of liberty for mankind and how do we do that? So anyway, all of those seed planting times there, I just really culminated in the starting of this lovely idea that I do feel is providential. And it was, it's just been a labor of love, sometimes more labor, sometimes more love, but it's been a joy to watch these beautiful kids just take the reins and become the masters of their own education and, and eventually contributors in our society. That's awesome. I love that you had that vision and you have quite the, quite the background too, of you've seen kind of all of it, the public, private, homeschool, which I was homeschooled my whole life. So I always give a huge shout out to any homeschool yeah. moms or homeschool families out there because it is, that's a whole different world in and of itself. And I, I loved it. My mom is a rock star. And so I know that you're obviously a rock star too, because you're like, I love this so much. I'm going to start a whole school. And just <laughs> Crazy, I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> Crazy. I left, I, I left that word out. Like, see, my mom, see, my mom was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not starting a school. I've even told my wife, I was like, maybe one day we should start a school. She's like, are you out of your mind? She's like, I'm she's, not starting. She's a rational human being. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, so I was yeah. like, I'll just help schools then. I'll come yes. and help schools. You're fun. doing just that. So we are grateful for you. You're doing a fabulous job. Thank you. You guys are awesome. You have a great team too. And I'm sure obviously your students are great. Even though I've never met any of the students, I'm sure yeah. they're awesome students Thank as well. You. Now, I do want to start with a question. I always start for everybody. And it is, if I was to come visit you guys in your area, that West side of St. Louis, what would you say, Mitchell, you got to do this and eat this. Is there something specific you would tell me I have to do? Oh, in St. Louis. Gosh, if it's summertime, you've got to go to a Cardinals game. They are, it's, it's such a, it, you know, we stretch back to the turn of the century with our Cardinals, what was then the Browns. And it's just a tradition and it's such a family cultural vibe here that it's, it's, you got to do that. And then of course, some barbecue, I'm sure in Kansas city, Kansas city and St. Louis are kind of rivals on their barbecue. So I would say it's important to, to test the barbecue, but then frankly, come to our house because we'd love to, love to host you. And that would probably be something you'd have to do. 
Hey, school success makers, just a really quick break from the episode to highlight our amazing sponsors over at America's Christian Credit Union. They are celebrating 65 years of service this year, and they provide essential school banking services and a tuition financing program for schools looking to reduce their risk and administrative burden. And you guys can find out all about them on their website, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. That's americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. They are amazing over there. And I always like to say if you're a school that collects tuition and you have a hard time collecting all of tuition at the end of the year, maybe it comes around May, June, you're like, man, we only got collected 95 or 98% of what tuition was owed to our school. One of the things you can do is have your parents get a tuition financing loan through the credit union, and then they pay the credit union directly and you get your funds up front at the beginning of the year as the school. So you don't have to chase people throughout the year and you can focus on what you do best. And that is loving and educating your students. And it doesn't cost your school anything to do it. So check them out online, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. All right, back to the show. You, so. All right. That sounds perfect. Now, barbecue. I love barbecue. Good. Is there a difference between St. Louis and Kansas City barbecue? Because some people like my wife's from North Carolina, so it's vinegars, what her, which I don't like vinegar based barbecue. I love more of a saucy or no sauce at all type of barbecue. <laughs> what's what's the what's the difference? What's the rival there? I wish I were a connoisseur in, to that extent. I don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just know that I, I know some fabulous barbecue right here, actually in our backyard in Wentzville. Phenomenal barbecue. We actually helped, they came and catered our gala for us. It was, it was a Western gala. It was awesome. So I would recommend Duke's barbecue. They are fabulous here. So yeah. Perfect. Well, you know, the Cardinals game, that'd be fun to bring in. I've heard from, there was somebody else I was talking to in your area that said there's like a pretty big cult following of the Cardinals there. In oh, yeah. like it's like, it's, you, if it's you're a not blood. a Cardinals fan, you're like an enemy type of thing. You know, and it stretches for my family. It stretches back to my grandfather as a boy who was born in 1911. He would go, he would actually listen to the radio as a little boy. And then all through his years, and he was alive until he was 97. He even at 96, 97 was listening, or he would go to the games, listen to the game while he's at the game. And then of course, handwrite the score, which my mom then did. So it was this, it's a tradition. It's been going on for over a hundred years for our family. So it wow. is, it's very special. That is really cool. Okay. I don't have yeah. that big a deeper roots on that. I am a Cubs fan, which obviously we're, we're rivals there. I know. Sorry. I can't sorry. believe we're talking Mitchell. Okay. I know. I, I forgive you. You are uninvited from our house now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I found something that really cool. So my 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 dad, grandfather, grandma, <laughs> they're from Chicago originally. And so my thank goodness I learned this before she passed away. But my dad's mom, she that's where she did her her growing up. I was talking to her, and this is probably four months before she passed away. We she was struggling with cancer, and so we were visiting, just getting soaking in that time. And I was like, Grandma, tell me about like your childhood. Tell me about like these, some of these memories, what are your favorite things you remember and all that stuff. And so it was really cool to like pull up her old house that she told me she knew the address and mm. I showed it on Google maps and she didn't know that that was possible. You could see, she's like, Oh my gosh, that was my bedroom. I was like yeah. doing just like walk through memory lane. And she goes, well, you know, I love going to the Cubs games with, with my dad. So my, my mm. pop, my great grandfather, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Like what, how was that? What'd you like to do? And she's like, well, me and him used to change the scoreboard at Wrigley field when we went to the games. And I, and I looked at her, I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, we would sit and ch help change the scoreboard on some of the games. And I go, you have never mentioned this to anyone in the family. My dad didn't know that. And so then it made me go, oh, that's awesome, grandma. Yeah, so yeah, that that's story would have died though with her, which I'm glad to know that she used to be doing that with her, with her dad. That's, like, that's amazing. That's yeah. a historical moment. That's awesome. Neat. It would have been, I guess, in the 40s then, because she was, yeah, I think in the 40s. So she would have been, yeah, in the late 40s, she was probably yeah. doing that. So, wow. Well, yeah. Hmm. That's right. awesome. It's not school related, but I guess we should dive into school content. Yes, yes. Well, um, that's that's lovely that you're learning about her. And that is, to me, that's education. It's you're, you're a lifelong learner. And, and your history is a huge part as to who you are. And, and I'm a big believer in knowing the importance of our, our history and then diving into it. So kudos to you for taking advantage, making the awesome. moment. And a perfect thing for the classical thing. You're talking about going back to the basics. So you're saying yeah. we're going back to like, what was the founding? What was this in the old school? It's you know, there's obviously pros and cons to, to both sides, like the new stuff as well as the old stuff. But I love that. I've, I've really loved the classical approach when I've talked to different classical schools. So I guess you kind of already hinted at it. Maybe we should start with this. If there's anybody listening who doesn't know what a classical school is, what that, what would you, you know, 
I know what the basis are, but like, if you were to share like, Hey, here's a really simple philosophy, like what a classical Christian or sorry, just a classical school in general. Yeah. You know, the high level, the way I explain it is that it's, it's touching on the Western roots or Western tradition. You might say, okay, what is that? It goes back to the ancients, to the Greeks and the Romans. And the idea that first off the, the polis, the people are are independent in in their you know culture independent in their thinking and that they have the ability to guide their own destiny that is a western tradition the other thing that is western is the fact that when we work as hard as we do as americans that we should be rewarded for that work and that is you know the fact that we have patent law and that is a protection of the creativity that this country is just thrives off of that is a western tradition and then of course that you should reap the fruits of that hard labor and that the government doesn't take 80% or whatnot. These are Western values that we definitely take for granted. But from a classical education, of course, it's the study of the great books, but it's that ideology that, that man was born free under a monotheistic umbrella that we then have the ability and the freedom to pursue whatever it is that brings out the best in each one of us. And that is a very selfless focus. If you go back to Aristotle, the importance of serving and contributing, especially in a republic, we all have a role to play. So all of those kind of encapsulate to me the idea of a classical education. Man, that was a good one because I, I asked that and the, I get a different response from different different schools that are classical and it's good to okay. hear their different takes on it. I love the part about the... The, the first part that you were touching on with, well, of course, well, I forget it. But. Independent thinking and, yeah. and, and, you know, liberal, you know, obviously not being liberal or conservative, but the Libra, the Latin root for free. And it's the liberal arts is, is construed to free the mind to think. And as human beings, <clears throat> the way I view it is we are bred. The reason we exist is to know, K-N-O-W. And then you say, well, what to know what? To know what is true and good and beautiful but the the idea that we are always on the hunt for knowledge is what makes our species the most unique and beautiful thing on the planet so as we are bred to do that why not create an educational avenue that just capitalizes on mankind in the pursuit of that knowledge and and to do it freely without being without an agenda and without any prescribed objective. It is, that is not what we're about. And that's what resonated with me about this whole thing. And I, it captured my heart and I was like, okay, let's magnify this, multiply it and go for it. So that's, that's to me what a classical ed is all about. So were you doing classical with your kid, your children at home and then decided to start a classical school? Yes. I literally fell into it at the classical home fair, just down, you know, school fair, just down the road about 10 years ago. And I was like, what is this? And, and what I found was my kids were loving Latin and geography. And I, for the first time, in fact, here it is, I got story of the world and I started reading through the ancients. And I was like, looking at my husband going, why the heck do I not know this? And I, as I came, at first I thought it was me and I was just not, you know, I didn't pay attention that day or I missed that class or something, but no, what, what happened was we didn't get it. And I was educated in the eighties and nineties. And so by that time, you know, classical education really has, has been, you know, uh, hijacked and pulled out of the classroom. It was, you know, from our founding fathers up to about 1920, Woodrow Wilson's administration sort of took it out, said, we've got to try something new, you know, simply said. And so it took a little degree turn away from this, this foundational approach to education. And so now a hundred years later, we find ourselves out here in, in, you can't see my hands, but you know, we are like a ship completely far away from our origination as to what founded this country. And, and so as I was reading this, I fell in love with the ancients and the Greeks. And I just, I just, I got on fire. I think my kids were like, mom, chill out. But I was <laughs> loving it. And, and that just spurred me on when I saw my two-year-old doing recitations from Christina Rossetti. I was like, this is something. Whoa. So I just thought, I just felt impelled. You know, we got to do this for more kids. That's the, that's the bottom line. So you touched on something that has not come up yet on a, on the podcast where I have interviewed head of schools of classical schools and all that stuff. And that's that when it got pulled, when, how, it, how education was in America and when it got kind of pulled out. So I haven't actually heard that piece before. I don't, obviously this is not, was not planned, but any, can we speak on that a little bit to like maybe giving people a little bit of basis on our education system a little bit, and maybe what was taught all those times in 
I'm assuming that's the public school system. And then it got something pulled out and they restructured it. And how is, have we seen a shift in, I mean, obviously we have seen a shift in our education system, but like how that looks. And that's a very broad random question, but. No, you're, that's a very good question. And it's important to know. I will not, I will start with the fact that I'm not an expert on this. However, from my own research, my understanding is that, you know, the, from the founding fathers and be, even before that, from the Puritans, the pilgrims, you know, they came over with a great love of God, obviously, and a great love of that, that family culture that, that we're going to pass that proverbial baton to the next generation through the education of our children. Our founders <clears throat> said, I believe it was Jefferson who said, you know, an educated populace is requisite in order to maintain this republic. Okay, well, how do we, how do we, how do we populate or, or support the notion of an educated populace? Well, of course, through education. So the public schools were endowed with the task of, of making sure that our students know what it is they need to know. Well, <clears throat> I believe, in fact, we teach this in our history. What we, what we see today, I think, is an educational system that is not motivated to free the mind. It's very focused on what to think, not how to think. And I believe the founders were really focused on the idea that a free people will, we will get the most out of free people. But, you know, as, as our founders knew, human beings are not angels. And that's why government is not, is not in total control. The people are in control, hopefully, right, that they're knowledgeable enough. And so I feel like right now our system has been perverted and it needs to, it needs to be righted. And it needs to be righted with those who have the moral clarity to bring it back into alignment with what the founders intended if we intend to keep this republic. And that's that's where my charge is. I just feel so passionate about the importance of that purity of what education is meant to be and and frankly why I felt called because I I see our country adrift and I felt this was how I'm going to fight for my country. So it's it's deeply personal, but it's also deeply impersonal because it's not my agenda. I pray every day. It's not my agenda. It's the agenda given from above to help support these children so they can take the next you know, generation forward. I know people talk about all the time how our education system has changed drastically and, oh, we didn't do that when we were, when I was a kid. And it's like, yeah. okay, but like, what does that mean? Like, where, where has it gone? And then yes. as I've dove into all these things with the School Success Podcast and interviewing school leaders in different schools from all over the country and a few internationally, it's like, man, there is, education is so broad and it's so different based on region country and different things and, and it's very fascinating you, know, you can take a you got a random public school a random private school a religious school montessori you got homeschool all these things and they're all pushing they're all educating kids to put into one like here we go workforce and you're you're released and like how do they look and what do they turn out and it is just fascinating all the different philosophies of well, we think this is the best way and why. I'm like, that sounds actually pretty good. And this one <laughs> says the same thing, and but a little different. Oh, it sounds pretty good too, actually. It's like, which one's the right one? Which one's the best one? And it's, it is, it's kind of overwhelming. I mean, it's. Well, I, sorry, uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, the part, the last one I was going to say, like my wife told me about one earlier this year that sounded intriguing called world schooling. Have you heard of world schooling before? No, I haven't. Mm -mm. It's just like, again, I have, this is just hearing from my wife. So I haven't even Googled it, but it's the premise of, kind of like homeschooling, but you're, you're letting your children experience and learn themselves inside the world. Like, so inside yeah. the confounds. So very homeschool based. Cause I can't mm -hmm. kind of how my mom raised us, which was like, obviously we learned respect and manners being out in public and like very applicable things I'm going to be able to use. Not like, Hey, here's the Pythagorean theorem. You need to use this one day. I'm like, okay. And I don't remember how to use it. Cause I don't need it, you know, for mm -hmm. what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so it was like talking about world school. Hey, maybe you travel to a, the grand Canyon and you actually experience it yourself or you travel and do. So it's all about experiencing the world itself and learning from what's in front of you mm -hmm. and talking things mm -hmm. through. And mm -hmm. I, the premise sounded really, really good. And I was like, I like that. But in my head, I'm like, obviously like our culture is like, well, you need to know math. You need to know reading. Yes. Again, there's bases of course you have to know, but my, my mind is, the culture pushes a, an agenda of what you need to have, but do you need to have that? That stuff that overwhelms me and I start getting like going crazy, but that's my, that's my 
Well, you're, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying about which, okay, which vehicle is it that's going to be the right one? And I, the way I look at it is, yes, there are a number of vehicles out there, Montessori and, you know, Reggio Emilia and classical Mm -hmm. and all these. And I look at it as they're, they're, they're vehicles. They're like, we have a bazillion cars on the road. There's all different kinds. And, and some of us might need a truck. Some of us might need a smart car. Some of us, you know, Tesla, whatever it is. The point is though, are we all going the same direction? And and we all get to point B, right? We're all we're all productive people, but we the car is used to get to a certain destination. And education should be that same. And my thought and concern is, okay, I don't really care the avenue or the vehicle, although I am very biased towards the classical because it's really answered all my questions. But the point is, are we getting to that liberal thinking, independent thinking, non-agenda curriculum? That to me is the key. And then you can pursue that through a variety of avenues. But I think that's where we're a little astray is what is the final objective of education? What are we really striving towards? And I would say it's to, again, going back to human beings being bred to know, it's to be lifelong learners. That's the bottom line. And to do that, you have to have a sense of curiosity and humility and then be able to implement that no matter what sphere of life you decide to go into. That will always keep you moving as doing the best you can as a human being. So that's kind of my philosophy on it. I love the part you shared about how like the, the, the analogy of the car thing is actually really, really good saying we all have these different things, but we're all trying, we should hopefully all be trying to go to the same end goal. And it reminded me of a friend of mine, sort of off topic, but I hope it, you know, it kind of comes about around, makes sense who, one of my really good friends, we completely are opposites, like opposite political beliefs, opposite religious beliefs. And I was like, and so, but we were, we would just enjoy talking. We would talk politics, never, ever, ever get heated. We just go, Hey, this is happening. What's your take on it from your side. And I would share my take. It just, it was really nice to have a breath of fresh air of somebody from the other side without being, you know, somebody getting freaking, freaking out or anything. And I said, we both said one day, and it just was super encouraging. It was like, Hey, I, I know at the end of the day, you love America and you love what's, what you want, what's best for America. And I love what's, you know, and then we love the world. We want what's best. We just both have completely different ways of how we're going to get there. But we both agree. Like we love America. We love the world. We love people. We just both have different ideas of how we get there. And I'm like, Hey, I can, we can agree to disagree on the, the way we get there. And I love that. It just made me feel like encouraged. I wish more people would be like on the same fence, which again, I think most people would agree that we do have the same end objective. It's just mm-hmm. we get caught up in all those details and getting lost. And I think that also happens, unfortunately, in education where mm-hmm. we get, so I can't believe you do that. I can't believe you do that. And it's like, well, wait, we're all trying to get love these students and pour into them to give them the best tools for success yeah. that they will have a great, be great families, great leaders and all that stuff in our, in our country and yeah. beyond. And if yeah. we can get to that point and agree on that part, the rest yep. is hopefully don't get lost in the details. Right, right. No, that's beautiful. And I think that what you're emulating is the lack of ego in both of you to say that there's something higher besides my way or the highway. And and if the North Star is always what's best for these children, and you can agree that that love is the, the North Star and the idea of, of I'm going to help give the tools to this child so that they can flourish and be the best version of themselves, then we will, we, that is our unum you know, together. That is, that is where we need to be. And as a country, we do need to do that. I am not here to facilitate a big pod or community of people who think like Katie thinks. I do not want that. I want children who will come and bring their own genius to the table. So frankly, I can benefit and be blessed by seeing what gifts they've got to give. That's my greatest joy. That's the, that's like, that's so thrilling. And I think the conversation you just shared is, is a beautiful example of how the two of you your ego is not center. It is the higher objective of, of the child and of, of the avenue of what you're trying to pursue. That's the objective. And that's why you're able to have that conversation. So kudos and great example. I hope your kids are, are able to, to witness that as well. It's oh, great. So. I've, ta- I've talked about like, maybe one day I should run for some type of public office. And I said that if I did, my, one of my goals would be to be, to, to have the, the, to be the best bipartisan, like person, like go, like guys, here's what we need. We all want this. How do we, let's make it work and just figure it out. I just feel like they just, there's always arguing, which I don't want to make this even anywhere near political oh, yeah. podcast. No. I, just, I want people to just love each other and <laughs> make things work. Like, please. Yes. Well, you must be the 10% of our population who I would consider a mediator. My husband is also one of them and they're very easygoing 
and they're wanting to bring people together. They're great negotiators and, and mediators. So we need lots of you. So I'm, right. I'm glad that you want to do that. My wife would say I'm definitely the negotiator and I do it in the, I strive. So one of the things I try and do, I strive for no's from people, you know, so I'll do some just really dumb ones. I'll just ask for something and see if I get a yes or a no. So I go to a place and they don't do like, okay, perfect example, Starbucks. They don't do free refills on nitro cold brew, which is what I'll get when I go there. And so you go, they'll do cold brew refills for like free or 50 cents. It depends on the, the location, but they won't do nitros, which are like $5. And so I went up there one time and I was like, I know they don't do it. I was like, Hey, can I please get a nitro refill? And she, she looked at me and she said, oh, we don't, we don't do nitro refills. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, you guys have actually, you've done it before. You guys have done it before. Not in a disrespectful way. It's like, oh, you guys have done it before. She's like, ah, what the heck? Okay, I'll do it. And I was like, yes. Like, and I, I just like ask, but I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm just going to ask and see if they do it. And so striving mm -hmm. for these, and that's not really negotiation, but always like, let me ask you, maybe they'll, all the worst they can say is no. Absolutely. That's right. I love it. That's the entrepreneurial spirit. And I love that idea. Yep. <laughs> It can always, it can always say, no, it's not going to kill you. Totally. And well, we should probably get into actual, you know, school content now. <laughs> this has been awesome. I love this. All right. So I want to hear about a little bit of Lafayette. I know we talked a little bit about how you started it, but I always, as I mentioned, start with some of the same questions. I'd love to hear just a few of the challenges you guys are ideally currently up against or facing. And how are you guys combating some of those challenges? What are some that come to mind for you? You know, we have a challenge, and I think this is across the board for classical schools, the retention from eighth to ninth grade. It's very challenging. Parents are all in kindergarten through eighth grade. They love it. It's that bridge to a bigger high school. You know, I want the prom. I want the football. I want the letterman jacket. I want, you know, the social, the big social. And parents tend to shift in their objective. That what's the outcome of this educational thing? And for them, it gets very socially focused and that's, that's the priority. And that's, that's challenging. And I've talked to many heads of school who all say it is very hard. And, you know, of course we invest so much time, energy, love into these kids. And you're just like, oh, to me, that high school time is like, it's the fruit. You know, if you look at this as a tree, maybe you're familiar with the trivium. The trivium is that idea of, of the, well, I was going to say, I could can I do something on my whiteboard or is it easier if I just talk it out? You can, you can do it if you want. Anybody who's watching on YouTube real quick, if you listen to this on audio, everybody, you can go to YouTube. We post the actual video snippet of this and okay. you're more than welcome to watch it so you can okay. see what she's talking about. Oh, this will be okay. fun. I've never had this before on the podcast. This is the hey. teacher part of me. I just, I, for me, this was a, this was a game changer when I understood this and it gets back to why I feel, feel the high school is such an important component. But let me just make sure you can see that. Okay. Yeah, so this is how human beings have, have, this is how you bring out the best in a human being. It's been around for 2,500 years and it's called the trivium. And the trivium, tri, it's a Latin word. Tri meaning three, vium means roads. So it's the three roads in which human beings best learn. The first road is, is really, and I think you have kids in this realm, kindergarten through sixth grade. They're sponges. They're soaking up everything around them, good or bad. And so as a classical educator, we want to expose them to all the greats. So, you know, the great, you know, Aesop's fables and character literature, their math facts, their geography, the president's great history. All of that is happening in this state and they love it. They love memorizing stuff, recitations, and they're just eating it up. So you're like, okay, let's, let's enjoy exposing them to all of this. Then seventh through eighth grade, is where they have enough knowledge to be dangerous and they are and so they don't know how to argue but they want to argue they want to say hey i got enough knowledge i want to tell you what i think and so we call this the logic stage and this is where they're learning to formulate those arguments and so we actually freshman year we teach a class on formal logic i've often had parents say can you stop because they're getting good at arguing and i don't like it as a parent so but it's really effective side note my son <clears throat> He might hate that I'm going to share this with you, but my son, who was a freshman last year, did something that he shouldn't have done, and we grounded him. And he never gets grounded. He's actually a really good kid. And after about two or three days, he goes, "Mom," and he was taking formal logic at the time. He goes, "Mom, if I write a proof as to why I should not be grounded, would you consider releasing me?" And I was like, "Okay." Normal teenagers at 14 would just argue, slam doors, yell at you, your your stupid parents, you know. But he was like, "I'll write out a proof." So he writes out a proof. Now, mind you, I have not taken formal logic. I need to, but I haven't had time. 
So I said, okay, it's a full page. He, I said, take it to your teacher. And if he says it's valid, then we'll talk. Sure enough, it was valid. Yeah. So it comes back and I was like, you know, Colton, okay. And so I guess the day before he was supposed to be released, we released him. So we gave him an early release. This is the power though of teaching children that they have the ability, just like Frederick Douglass, who beautifully did that, have the ability to reason their way to the right outcome. Okay, then ninth through 12th grade, we call this the rhetoric stage. And the rhetoric stage is where they're now learning to persuasively argue their point of view. But you cannot do that unless you have the facts and unless it's reasonable. If you have those two ingredients, you usually can get me to your side of the table. So by senior year here at our school, our kids are gonna write a 20 page thesis on something they're passionate about, bringing all three of these roads together and then they have to verbally defend it against our faculty. It's like a mini masters. So what you're doing is you're cultivating again an individual a human being who knows how to think and how to reason, doing it logically, and then they're ready to take their place as a contributor. Okay, so back to your question. <sighs> Sorry, get going. <laughs> Why do we have this lack of, or we have a retention problem from eighth to ninth? Because parents do not understand that if you look at this as a tree, you know, the grammar is the roots, the logic is the trunk, the rhetoric is the fruit. The fruit is like the best. It's, it's what you've been working so hard for, but our culture is so focused on athletics and social and it's, you know, throw the, the academics will just, you know, come if they come. And that's, that's a really tough fight to fight. It's, it's through, and I, okay, so the solution to me is we have to educate our culture to know that that four years, truly solidifies the the individual and and what they're going to do in life it's going to affect their their choices who they marry how they raise their family what careers they choose how do they work through hard difficult times <clears throat> all of that's happening it's a very special and a very intense time and i i'm saddened when we lose kids and i'm sure most classical heads of schools and founders are too because it's such it's like oh my gosh it's it's the frosting on the cake so we love them and i let them go if they if they feel like that's more important but i stay in touch with them because i still love them and i want them to be the best person they can be but this is this is a big challenge for classical schools is that retention time so let's i'd love to break that one down just a little bit real quick so i okay. love Thank you. Nobody's ever written it out like that before. before. So I, I love that. Okay. Um, real quick side note question. Is there anything in the classical world that's below kindergarten that you guys call anything? Because like, obviously that the first zero to six is like the most important years in their whole in the whole life of a person. Yeah. For foundation building. And that's yeah. obviously all mom and dad typically or you know, should, you should be. But like, what is is there any name just out of curiosity, any name for that for you guys? No, it's called be at home with mom and dad. Okay. All right. That's, and I, and I fully support that. I, I know that our culture has a lot of working moms. I'm now one of them and I never thought I would be, I was a stay at home mom before. And I do feel the most important place is for our children to be in the home. And, and the fact that our culture in the sixties and seventies got the mom out of the home, I think was, was a major, again, another shift that was not a positive for our culture. And I get, I mean, I'm in it right now too. And I, it's hard. I don't like not having the time for my family the way I would really ideally like. So my, yeah, I want, I want to support. That's why we don't offer pre-K. I want to encourage families to be at home with their kids. And then when they come in kindergarten, we'll take off. We'll have a grand time, but let's, let's, that family unit is essential to this Republic. And I want to support that. So that's why our actions are the way they are. Cool. cool. All right. So that was that part. And then, oh, so for, for your school, and you might already be doing this, just curious. So I, the red flag, I guess, you know, I see when I go, okay, they're leaving. It is you guys, your education of the family starts on day one when they're in kindergarten about why they should be here for 12 years. And every year they need to, maybe it's mandatory before the year they come in for an information meeting and they're like, hey, you know, you know, ninth grade's next year. This is why, like, you want to make sure that truly they're informed from the beginning and not already looking a year or two in advance. Are you guys doing anything like that already? You know what? That is a great idea. We, we probably have uh, not purposefully done that as much as we should. And so uh, we have done some of that, but we could do more. And I think that's, that's actually one of the calls we wanted to want to implement this year is to do more education as to what is classical? Why are we doing this? Um, Cause most of our parents have never been classically educated. I'd say 99% of them. So um, it is, it's kind of a dual educational pro problem or, or opportunity. 
educate the kids and educate the parents, which is my secret agenda. So I, um, I do. It, you're, you're exactly right. That's how you combat it. And it's like, they don't know what they don't know. So like a right. family is like, I, I will, I'll put it in the shoes of my, my little, my son goes to a little Montessori school and the, this is typically common in the Montessori world is they lose people after primary and primary is because mm-hmm. they get, so Montessori, those that are listening, broken up into typically like three, four different sections. And the first you got toddler and then primary, which is like three to six year olds. And so typically somebody finishes primary and goes into kindergarten. And so the um, Montessori schools, the notorious for having huge primary programs and putting a lot of resources in there because people love Montessori and primary. And then they pull them and put them into a, a regular school kindergarten. And so Typically, what they say is like the kids are so ahead when they go into a regular kindergarten class from all the knowledge they've gotten from Montessori, but they haven't edu- properly educated the families of like, hey, this is why it's important to continue on with what we're doing because we've set this foundation. Kind of like the same thing you get yeah. you know, yeah. here. And that's, we have, we have some clients in the Montessori world and we've kind of consulted and coached through that of like, it starts from day one of they, they do a tour and you're saying why, but then it's not. You can't expect that three years ago they are going to remember why totally. they're going to do that. They're running their families and jobs, so it's regular emails, it's a text message, it's coming in for information meetings, it's it's a mandatory meeting every year that you say, "Hey, here's why we're doing what we're doing." Cast vision on what you're why you're doing this to your with their child, and then you, I think, even if you get, you know, if you lose ten every year, if you can hold on to four of them, I mean, that's a huge swing just in general of what you have to fill. So, yeah. I would, Love to see you guys do something along those lines if that's not being done. Hey, school success makers, just a really quick break to highlight one of our amazing sponsors, and that is ClassReach. Now, ClassReach supports schools of all sizes from application to graduation. Take charge of your school with ease, power, and mobility using ClassReach, the school management software administrators and teachers love using. You can get your free demo at ClassReach.com. That's ClassReach.com. They are amazing people, and they provide this amazing SIS software for you to keep track of your students' grades, communicating with families that are enrolled, and a whole bunch more. So again, check it all out on their website, ClassReach.com. They are awesome. All right, now back to the show. That's great. The other, I would say, big challenge, we are a private classical school. Our funding model, our business model is through tuition or revenue model, I should say, is through tuition and through donor dollars. So that's also been for the last seven years, I've been not only head of school for the majority of that time, but now to fundraiser. And I never thought I would be a fundraiser. And that's been a whole new world that I've had to learn. And I would say how we're solving that problem is through exceptional training in the art of of philanthropy. And I recently, in fact, as recent as last week, went through a 40-hour boot camp, and it was just that. It was a fire hose of information from exceptional fundraisers, and I love their philosophy that focuses on the idea of philanthropy, which philo in Greek means love, and it's the love of mankind. And so when you're loving mankind, what you're doing is you're helping create avenues to help them facilitate their love for mankind through their giving. And so... That is not a hard thing to do. When when I'm loving and we're all loving what we do for children, it's not hard to share that. So I I the way we're combating that that fundraising challenge is just learning more about it and then executing it. I personally love it, but it's it's a lot of work to maintain private schools. I, it's difficult because we don't get any fun you know support from either Hillsdale or the state through tax dollars. And so it's hard on families and to pay that tuition and it's hard for us to make up, you know, the difference, but it's gosh, it's worth it. And love, loving our, our supporters. It's wonderful. It's a great partnership. Man. And maybe the, maybe the voucher system will come over to Missouri and you guys will like the, that is, it's been interesting to watch that play out across the country, which I'm a big, big supporter of the voucher system, giving parents the ability to choose and and have actual funding come over with it. But there's also been the the flip side. So we have a a client we're working with in Arizona, actually, that is a charter school and the great people, great run charter school there, but their numbers are down for the first time ever because Mm. of Arizona's voucher system and people pulling to go to private schools and Christian schools. Mm. They have to market for the first time ever do actual Mm. marketing. And I'm Mm. like, whoa so like it's 
schools are feeling and there's schools actually feeling the effects of that voucher system like that, which yeah. I've heard that yet till just a month ago. So yeah. I hope that spreads across just given, in my opinion, competition is good. So it's yes. going to make public schools have to compete yep. uh, instead of just going, well, they're in my district. They're just going to go to my school. Like it's going to, again, there's yeah. pros and cons to all this, but it's going to help people be competitive, which means you've got to be, you got to really up your game as a school and be the best you can so that people yeah. want to pull them in. So that's right. Uh, I hope yeah. that comes over and helps you guys. But yeah. Fundraising. That's a, that's a big one. I, are you guys typically a, I mean, you're getting into the weeds of this, but is it event fundraising? Or are you doing more private donor? Like, Hey, this is our vision. Would you like to be a part of our vision? We need this. What's your, what's it's, your approach? It's a combination. We have, we definitely have a number of events. We, we are getting to the point where actually we are scripting out exactly what our year looks like to the dollar so that we can really predict exactly what we're going to be bringing in. But we have to do a combination. So we have galas. We have, we're actually going to do an online gala here in December. We have an in-person gala. We've got, you know, grandparents sort of society. It's an all out team effort. The board, myself, our parents, everybody is working together, but you know, it goes back to the fact that we love these kids, but, <clears throat> and I will say back to your point about the whole charter school and the, the voucher system. Missouri is interesting that we don't, we don't have charter schools unless you're in the city of St. Louis or in Kansas city. <clears throat> and so that was the first, pers- uh, the first avenue I pursued was, Oh, I'm going to start a Hillsdale charter school. And as I looked into it, I found that that bottleneck and I was like, oh, gosh. And so for 18 months, Hillsdale and I kind of hemmed and hawed, trying to find an avenue for me to start the charter school, met with the director and and just I was like, that's a fight I don't have time for. I've got three kids and I want them educated now. And sure enough, gosh, we're 10 years down the road and they're still, you know, embroiled in the battle. And I don't who knows? The needle's probably slowly moving forward year by year, but we didn't have, I didn't have time. So it is something that is, it's, it is fun to see what's happening across the country. And I do think competition is, is essential. That's again, that's a Western, a Western thing. So a Western value. So anyway. Man, if I can add some encouragement to you on that part, you just said there was a lady we talked to. She actually was on the podcast months, months back. And I can't remember if this was on the recording or not, but she talked about how her school that they run, when they come up with a new idea, they do it immediately. They're like, Hey, here's this idea. They get together as a team and they go, let's do it. They start as soon. I literally, as soon as they can, the next week, the week after she goes, it's so schools are notorious for, that's a really good idea. Let's, let's talk it up at the next board meeting. Let's vote on it. Let's do. And then it's a year or two later, they're rolling out this initiative or this thing. And she goes in the, in the, in the lifespan of a child, every month you wait, is like six months of their life or something like the education mm-hmm. cycle she's explaining. So like mm-hmm. you have 12, you have them for 12 years if they're for, for a full K-12. So if every time you wait, you're just, you're failing that child more. If this is really going to help them, if this is really going to push them ahead. Mm-hmm. Every month you push out, it's just, it's, it's like a year of their life or whatever it was. It was like drastic. And so you, if you're like, going, well, let me just wait and do this charter school. It's all those kids that you guys are, are pointing mm. to, loving and touching. Like they would have not gotten that mm. if you had been still waiting. Interesting. So, I had never thought about that. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. encouraging. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah. wish and I got to, I got to get the quote down exactly now and make it sound better instead of just yes. trying to wing it. But yeah, no, that's good. That's got the essence of it. <laughs> so what's going good? Tell me, brag about the school a little bit. What's some good things you guys are doing? Oh, I love our, this came from homeschooling, but. We, we love learning about whatever it is from, you know, if it's history or science or literature, and then we go and take field trips that correspond with that. So the field trips are not, you're not going to see us going to the pumpkin patch or going to pick apples unless it's connected directly to our science program. So it, every field trip has to have a purpose behind it. And I'll give you a good example. So this last spring, every part of the beautiful integrated curriculum that Hillsdale offers us is that every year K through six and then seventh and eighth has a segment on American history and seventh and eighth spends two years on American history. And so our fifth through eighth graders last year, all were focused on the civil war and the reconstruction of that. And so they spent about, you know, a month or two on that topic, knew it inside and out. And so we put a field trip together to go to Gettysburg and we took part again, as I mentioned, my secret agenda, 
is to not only educate the children, but to educate the parents of which I am. So I was, I just want to know, I want to know what my kid knows and go on that journey with them. So we took 50 participants, parents and kids together. We all met in Gettysburg next to that, the battlefield, my favorite hotel right there. And then we took a day, explored the battlefields. And then our kids memorized the Gettysburg Address. So we went to the National Cemetery. We stood right where Lincoln said it. And, and they all, you know, they initially, they're like, we want to do this. And you've got, you're surrounded by gravestones that say unknown soldier. And so when it gets to that part where it talks about, you know, these dead shall not have died in vain, but shall have a new birth of freedom. It touches you. And and the parents there, you know, they all have their cameras out and we're all, all the parents are just crying. And it's just such a spiritual experience, which you cannot get out of a book. And then that took us then to Antietam and Harper's Ferry. And then we ended up in DC and all along the way, it's this cherishing of my goal is not only to know the history, but then to say, you know, thank you to these, to these individuals who brought us to where we are today. And then it's our job as Americans to make sure that our kids know this so that they can then move forward and say, you know, this Republic is worth defending and we love it. She's, she's got her faults just like we all do. But in the end, we love the idea of her and we're willing to defend it. That is my ultimate objective is to make sure that we appreciate what's gone before us. So these field trips are really significant. I've taken kids to Trenton, New Jersey, We've done the, the Freedom Trail. We've gone to Kansas City, done the World War I Museum. We've gone down south to Memphis, Tennessee, and did the Civil, War, Civil Rights Museum. Eventually, I want to get them over to Europe and do a bunch of, you know, Winston Churchill stuff. I would love to do that next summer. In fact, I've got it on my agenda to do. So and get to Rome. You know, these, these are things that move you as, as a person. And that's what education should do. It should inspire you. And so, anyway, it's, I love it. So field trips are really important to us. The other thing that we do that I love is our PE program. Thanks to Hillsdale again. They have created this phenomenal PE program and it includes dance. And I haven't really ever experienced a PE program that has dance. So kindergarten all the way through. And so the, the portion that I love the best though is the dancing part where we teach the kids American folk dances as well as the waltz, the two-step, you know, foxtrot, all of that. And we culminate it from middle and high school into a beautiful formal dinner and dance. We teach etiquette so they know how to eat, you know, the soft skills, <clears throat> eat a formal dinner so they have a beautiful four-course meal. And then we move all the tables aside and then they break out into dance. We have little dance cards so they don't have to ask anyone it's kind of like 1950. And then they break out into beautiful dance and they're, they're gorgeous gowns and the gentlemen all in their beautiful suits. And it's a very magical night and they are graded. So they all put their best foot forward and they all walk away going, I had no idea I could do that. And it's, again, it's another little surprise to them that they can show up the way they do. And, and they take those skills with them the rest of their lives. So again, we're just, we're working to bring out the best in what they have to give. And it's just, it's a joy to witness it. That one's awesome. All right. See, you know, kids don't need to go to leave, leave your school in high school because for a prom, they got that. They just I know. I know. Yes. Yes. Oh. I would agree. Yep. That's awesome. Well, Katie, yep. you guys are doing some awesome stuff. I can, you can see it and you can feel it in your heart that you obviously love what you love, what you're doing and there's passion behind it. And that I would, I'd follow somebody with a passion. Then it's just a job any day. You know, it's like oh. you can tell and you can feel it. Uh, and you can see it. I mean, you see it in your eyes and your your face as you're as you're talking about it. That it's mm -hmm. like it's real. So don't don't lose that. I don't think you will, but don't lose that because it's Thank it's you. it's contagious. Thank and you. so for those that are listening and are encouraged by you, I'd love you to share just as we wrap up, like a, a piece of advice. I mean, you you've been doing this for a, obviously a long time, but eight years with the school. Is there a piece of advice that you, you want to share with a school leader listening? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many lessons you learn. <clears throat> you know, I think in any endeavor, you know, in the end, this school is a business and it has to run like a business and you have to obviously make a profit. I've done real estate investments. I've done this. I think, you know, you have to, and you doing what you do, you know, you have already, I'm sure learned, you have to have a big enough why. Thank you, Simon Sinek. You have to have a big enough why to pull you through the tough times. And, you know, you're going to face, if, if you, I, two things. One, you're going to face challenges no matter what in your life. <clears throat> but when the chips are down, 
you're going to have to know what is your why and and believe that to your core and it will it will pick you up when you fall flat on your face the other what was the other one i was going to say from a business standpoint i mean that's probably my biggest lesson because this is this is probably besides childbirth three times <clears throat> this has been the hardest thing and that's like over and done you're right like in one hour you're done <clears throat> but you know this has gone on for eight years so it is the birth of an idea and it's it's had its wonderful highlights it's had its i've been on my knees numerous times and and so it's it's important to have that why that moral clarity you know we see what's going on in israel right now and i think it's brought home for me you know this these amazing people over there who are our our brother if you will the judeo-christian roots that we have together we have to support and and recognize that the fight on their shore is on our shore too now you know <clears throat> so that that really solidifies for me my why it, it broadens it it gives me more fire to be honest as to what we're doing and why it's so important but but the virus that the virus that's sort of taken over and multiplied across our country we got to be watchful. And so the advice, I guess, is just to continue as, as Americans to, to hone and sharpen our moral clarity, our moral courage, and be the best examples that we can be. Because in the end, that's really what's left over. And our kids need to see that. And they need to see us living it. It's, it's not a game. This is real life. And <clears throat> a school, starting a school magnifies all of that, good or bad, you know, but I hope that in the end, my example will be worthy of emulating. That's my hope. You can say anything you want, but it's what they see you're doing. Your actions obviously speak louder than words. So yeah. 100%. I love it. Yeah. Katie, I've loved our chat. Loved. I've learned a lot. I love that you wrote out the trivia. So anybody <laughs> listening again, if you haven't, if you're not watching, go back, you can watch that segment on the YouTube channel and see what she, what she wrote out. Obviously she did a great job just explaining it. So you might not even have to see it, but uh, it was really good to see her uh, writing it out, just like a teacher. I just sound like it's a student in my classroom. <laughs> so that was great. Thank you, Mitchell. Uh, but, uh, Katie, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Uh, I love this chat and wishing you guys nothing but the best as you continue to educate uh, that next generation there in the St. Louis area. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to Katie for taking time and being on the podcast today. I love what she's doing over at her school at Lafayette in Missouri, and I'm wishing them nothing but the best as they continue to grow and educate the next generation that's coming behind us. And I love Katie's story. I love it. She just felt like she needed to start this school and she started it and has learned a lot as from since when she started it. And I love that she was like, hey, let me show you what this is. And she got up and gone on our whiteboard. So if you guys are to do teaching for me, to teach me about their school and how, what classical Christian education is. And if you guys were just listening to it, of course, you can go to the YouTube channel and you can watch it. So if you want to see what she was actually drawing, you guys can go over our YouTube channel where we have the actual video of the podcast. If you didn't know that, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a video of it. Of course there is. So go over there and watch that if you wanted to see it. But again, just a shout out to Katie. Thank you for taking time and being on the podcast. And uh, for you guys, the listeners, we have some great resources for you. I know you guys have heard this before, but you're going to hear it again. All right. We've got three great resources completely free for you that we want to make sure you're tapping into. The first one is our private Facebook community called School Success Makers. Completely free. doesn't cost you anything. Go jump in there. I'm personally in there and I'd love to see you in there as well. Feel free to ask questions and connect with other school leaders across the country. And then we uh, actually internationally, there's people from the United States and outside the United States inside of there. We also have our school success report, a weekly email that goes out to anybody who wants it. You can sign up for that on our website, schoolsuccessmakers.com. Go sign up for the school success report right now if you haven't. And then of course, this podcast, completely free episodes coming out every week. We want to make sure you're continuing to listen and learn and grow both yourself personally, as well as helping your school get better every single day as well. And if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas that we can do to make our stuff better, please reach out. Let us know if there's somebody specifically you think we should be interviewing, or maybe you th we think you think we should be interviewing you. Let us know that, and we would love to hear from you. Okay. This is a very much y'all's podcast as much as it is ours. So let us know. And I think that's it. So we'll be back here next week with another awesome guest as usual on the school success podcast. We'll see you then.